Welcome to the Mile High Bite Show, your home for clips, news, bloopers, and more from the Mile High Flight Show team. I'm your host, Ryan Marinholtz, and let's jump right into this. Today, we're going to wrap up two of our three our last breakdowns here with the Kansas City Chiefs and the Las Vegas Raiders. With that, let's get right into the Chiefs. So their GM, Brett Veach, and then their head coach, Andy Reid, obviously a dynamic duo, uh, you know, drafted Patrick Mahomes and has started this uh probably greatest stretch of Chiefs football so far Um, and you know we'll just have to see where they can go from here. So we can go straight into their draft class here. Uh, Their first selection cornerback Trent McDuffie out of Washington uh, somebody who I really liked going into the draft there Uh, you know a lockdown corner over there at Washington opposite Kyler Gordon who got a lot more of the targets because Trent McDuffie was just so good Um, and yeah probably going to be an impact player very quickly for them. Then their second pick, round one, number 30 overall, George Karloftis, defensive end, Purdue. Another player I really liked coming in. For whatever reason, his name just looks like a Hall of Fame name to me. Uh, he already looks great in the preseason, so uh, we'll just have to see where his career can go as well. Round two, number 54 overall, wide receiver Sky Moore out of Western Michigan. You know, obviously a, a position of need after, uh, you know, a lot of the wide receivers left this offseason there and uh, they pick up one of the more, uh, you know, touted talents in this draft. Round two, number 62 overall, safety Brian Cook out of Cincinnati, a solid player who can become a starter pretty quickly, hopefully. Round three, number 103 overall, Leo Chenal, linebacker out of Wisconsin, a player that I really liked for the Denver Broncos potentially, um, but it will be a solid player against the run there in the middle. Round four, number 135 overall, Joshua Williams, cornerback out of Fayetteville State, somebody who can help on special teams and hopefully develop into a uh, starter there. And a uh, cool note, Fayetteville State is a HBCU as well. Round five, number 145 overall, Darian Kennard, offensive tackle out of Kentucky, uh, certainly develop a mental guy, but uh, you know he's kind of for a fifth rounder uh, along the track a little bit further than you would think. Um, and could potentially end up taking a tackle spot pretty quickly here. Round 7, number 243 overall, Jalen Watson, cornerback out of Washington State. Again, another uh, developmental guy that will certainly help on uh, special teams to start out. Round 7, number 251 overall, Isaiah Pacheco, a a running back out of Rutgers, and an interesting player because, you know, very quickly, throughout camp and throughout the preseason here, Pacheco has shown himself to be a uh, solid talent that could honestly start like immediately, but we'll have to see exactly how that goes. They do have CEH still from LSU and uh, Ronald Jones there in that room. So some established uh, talent there, but not necessarily anybody that you're pointing to as like a definitive number one back that couldn't be overtaken if Pacheco plays well enough. Round 7, number 259 overall, Nazi Johnson, a safety out of Marshall, and just one more guy that can certainly help you on special teams and help out that uh, Chiefs defensive back room. It's a little light. So that does it for their draft. Let's move right on to their key departures over this offseason. Uh, the biggest one, obviously Tyreek Hill going over to the Dolphins there, played 72% of the snaps for them, was a huge part of that offense for years there with Patrick Mahomes and with uh, Alex Smith. 
And uh, yeah, I mean, obviously going to be a presence that's going to be missed for the Chiefs, but uh, they did add some wide receivers as we'll talk about, uh, including Sky Moore, who they drafted, and uh, we'll just have to see how that works out for them. Teron Matthews, safety, 89% of the snaps, the quarterback of this defense, so that's uh, something they're definitely going to have to come back to or come back from and, uh, you know, find a new presence like that on this uh, defense. Anthony Hitchens, inside linebacker, played 53%. Jerron Reed, an inside defensive lineman, played 63%. Melvin Ingram, off the edge, played 52%. Played decently for them as well after not doing a whole lot with the Steelers earlier in the season. Charverius Ward, cornerback, played 67%. uh, A solid piece to lose right there for them. Mike Hughes, a cornerback, 45%. Daniel Sorensen, a safety, 62%. So right there, both of your starting safeties are gone. Byron Pringle went over to the Bears, wide receiver, 49%. Daryl Williams, running back, 47%. Ben Neiman, linebacker, 49%. Demarcus Robinson, a wide receiver, 58%, went over to the Ravens. Alex Okafor, an edge, 41%. And yeah, obviously some more players there. Um, but those are the bigger names, and uh, uh, like a lot of solid pieces left this offseason. Obviously, you know, can't keep everybody when you're paying a quarterback um, and paying a lot of these players, you know, big money. You know, talk about Chris Jones, talk about Travis Kelsey. Um, some of those pieces you, you just can't fit in if you want to fill up the rest of the roster, and so they made some tough decisions this offseason. Now, looking at the roster, let's go down from the quarterback here on this offense. Patrick Mahomes, obviously the big man, uh, big money, you know, I mean, not much to say there. One of the best quarterbacks in the entire league. Uh, I do think it's curious how when Patrick Mahomes first came out, we were almost, everybody was just automatically claiming him as the next GOAT, but we've really seen such a, uh, you know, wealth of young quarterback talent come into the league in the last few years that... I don't think that that's necessarily quite as like positive as a sentiment as it was anymore, and that's obviously not to say that Patrick Mahomes isn't a, an extremely special player, um, but I just think that like it's been interesting to see the viewpoint of what he is kind of change as we see the Justin Herberts of the world come in, Lamar Jackson win an MVP, uh, you know Joe Burrow go to the Super Bowl in his second year, like a lot of these just young super talented quarterbacks are coming in. And uh, I don't think that uh, Patrick Mahomes is getting that same attention anymore. But with that said, behind him, Chad Henney, and then Shane Bukele in their running back room, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire still leading out that room there, Jarek McKinnon, and then your rookie Isaiah Pacheco, and also Ronald Jones came over from Tampa Bay. Uh, Solid room there, and honestly, like, because Jarek McKinnon always gets snaps uh, on this Chiefs team, I could see him still getting snaps. Ronald Jones is a solid piece that I don't think you can just, uh, you know, rule out there. Uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, obviously, you want to see more from him than what they have seen so far, um, but still a solid running back. And then Isaiah Pacheco, like I said, already coming on in camp, so they really do have a decent room there um, with some versatility as well. Their fullback, Michael Burton. And then at tight end, Travis Kelsey, obviously one of, if not the best tight end in the league, uh, you know, after Mark Andrews. Uh, And then Blake Bell and Noah Gray. And moving on to your wide receiver room with all that change that went down, your first receiver 
at least on paper, is going to be Marquez Valdez-Scantling, came over from Green Bay. Your second receiver, probably Mikal uh, Hardman, after what he's done with the Chiefs there. And he's really the only uh, remaining you know name out of that wide receiver group that we saw like last year in the last few years from this Chiefs team. And then Juju Smith-Schuster also comes over from Pittsburgh. And you have your rookie, Sky Moore, and then Justin Watson. And moving on to the offensive line here, at left tackle, Orlando Brown, your franchise tackle, uh, want to get him taken care of. And then Garen Christian comes over from Houston. And Prince Tega Wanogo, a, a draft pick from last year. Left guard, Joe Tooney. And then Nick Allegretti. At center, Creed Humphrey, your young stud there, uh, probably the best center in the league. Right guard, Trey Smith. And then right tackle, you're starting Andrew Wiley, um, but you do have Darian Kennard from Kentucky, as we talked about, sitting there right in the wings, and uh, I think that that spot's there if he uh, plays well enough that he could take it. So, I mean, obviously, you know, let's, if we go over that offense altogether, you still have plenty of weapons. You still have Travis Kelsey. You have that great running back room. Uh, McCall Hardman has that chemistry already with uh, Patrick Mahomes. And uh, I, Juju and I'm sh- and Marquez Valdez Scantley, I'm sure will uh, develop that chemistry with Patrick eventually. Um, I'm interested to see what Sky Moore does, but you know I don't know that necessarily this offense will be quite the same powerhouse that uh, it has been in the past. Immediately, I think it might take some time, and I think that's part of the reason why you saw them playing the starters as much as they did in the preseason to get that chemistry started um, and try to get everybody on the p- same page before the regular season starts. Now, moving on to the defense, going down from the safeties, you have Juan Thornhill, and then Justin Reed came over from Houston there, a solid young player who's only going to get better. And then your cornerback room, or I'm sorry, behind those safeties, you have Dion Bush as well, and then Brian Cook that you drafted. And then now we can look at those corners. Your first corner is going to be Rashad Fenton, and then your rookie Trent McDuffie, and behind him, uh, Legereus Sneed. Then Jalen Watson, another rookie, and Joshua Williams, yet another rookie. And then moving on to their middle linebackers here, Nick Bolton's going to be your starter on the weak side, uh, Willie Gay, and behind them, Leo Chanel and Darius Harris. And then your defensive ends there. On either side, you have Carlos Dunlap and Frank Clark as your starters, and behind them, the rookie George Karloftis, who I expect to you know, be a piece very quickly for these uh, these uh, Chiefs here. And then Mike Donna behind him, Malik Herring, and Joshua Kendo. And then your defensive tackles here, Derek Nadi and Chris Jones are your starters. And then Colin Saunders and Tershawn Wharton behind them. Special teams-wise, your punter is going to be Tommy Townsend, and then your kicker is Harrison Bucker. And yeah, I mean... Not a whole lot to say about this uh, Chiefs roster. You know, like, we can go through these storylines. How quickly can an all-new receiving core mesh with Patrick Mahomes? You know, obviously, as we mentioned it, that was part of the reason why they played those uh, starters in the preseason as much as they did, trying to get that chemistry started for those guys. Um, But it is a valid question, is how quickly can they get all of that going and, uh, you know, get back to that high-flying Chiefs offense that we're used to? The second one here, some exciting young options, but the cornerback room is extremely light and unknown right now. So again, as we go through it, 
Rashad Fenton is your one starter, and then on the other side, you're automatically uh, you know putting Trent McDuffie as your other starter there, uh, rookie first round rookie, and somebody who I think who can take that position that quickly, but at the same time you're starting a rookie, and then you have Legereus Sneed, and behind them two more rookies in Jalen Watson and Joshua Williams. Uh, that's you know I don't want to say rough because you have some talent there obviously. But I do think that it's a question mark for this team, uh, especially with how we know that uh, cornerback rookies don't always play uh, as well as we hope in their first year, just getting used to the NFL game. Number three, not a ton of great depth pretty much all around the roster. Uh, Injuries could easily hamper this team. And yeah, I mean, you know, again, that's not to say they don't have any depth. Um, They do have some here and there. There's some offensive line positions where you have, uh, you know, pieces that can move around not only, but then also just uh, step in and at least give you a decent level of play. And you talk about that running back room is pretty deep. Some of these defensive positions have some depth. But other than that, you know, obviously that cornerback room, as we talked about, your edges don't look that deep, to be honest with you. Your defensive tackles don't look that deep. You know, I mean wide receivers you're questioning whether they're going to be good enough right now and behind them not a lot of depth so this could be a team that if you see a McCall Hardman go down a Marquez Valdez Scantling go down uh, you're relying on Sky Moore or Justin Watson to fill those shoes at that point Um, and that's you know that's rough so I mean you know that'll do it for the roster storylines there and let's jump right into their schedule week one at Arizona Cardinals. I do have that as a win, though honestly, it is a question. Uh, you talk about, again, that wide receiving core uh, starting to mesh. Uh, you know, there are some questions for this team whether they're going to be able to be up to full speed immediately. Um, and Arizona is no roster to scoff at. So this could be a uh, opening day loss for the Chiefs, but just because of roster talent, I, I have to give the Chiefs. And then week two versus the Los Angeles Chargers at home. Uh, I do have that as a loss. Um, I think that the Chargers are, you know, competing with the Broncos for the best roster in this division. Um, and I think that it's very possible that the the uh, Chargers can come out strong. They, you know, have a vendetta right now. They really want to get into the playoffs. They really want to compete with that roster they have with Justin Herbert on that rookie contract. Um, I think that they can come out strong, come out swinging, and hit the Chiefs in the mouth there in week two. And then week three, at Indianapolis Colts. I do have this as a win, though this could be a close one as well. Another great roster, and they now have a quarterback in Matt Ryan, so we'll have to see. Week four, uh, at Tampa Bay to face Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. I have that as a loss. You know, obviously Tom Brady on his warpath for his last Super Bowl, potentially. And uh, yeah, we'll have to see there. Definitely the stronger roster in uh, Tampa Bay, though. Then week five versus the Las Vegas Raiders at home. I do have that as a win. Uh, I think the Las Vegas Raiders are, and as we'll go through the uh, Raiders a little later here, I do think they are most likely the fourth best team in this division, but we never know how things are going to play out necessarily. And then week six versus the Buffalo Bills. Do have that as a loss. Uh, Buffalo has just such a full roster right now, uh, really trying to compete and uh, looking for that top spot in the AFC altogether. 
Week 7 at San Francisco, I do have that as a win. Uh, I think that that, uh, even though they have a great roster over there in San Fran, Patrick Mahomes is just going to be too much for uh, Trey Lance. Week 8 is your bye. And then Week 9 versus the Tennessee Titans, I have that as a win. Week 10 versus the Jacksonville Jaguars, I have that as a win as well. Week 11 at the Los Angeles Chargers, and this is where it gets a little fun. Uh, I think that they lose this one too, and I really do think that the Chargers can uh, potentially even sweep the the Chiefs here, so uh, we'll just have to see how that plays out, but um, I mean, the Chargers have potentially the best roster in football right now on paper, so if they can go out there and prove it, uh, I do think this is very much possible. Week 13, or I'm sorry, week 12, they'll be versus the Los Angeles Rams at home there, uh, and I do have that as a win as well. That's going to be a real close game with Matthew Stafford, a great roster over there that just won the Super Bowl. Um, we'll have to see on that one. That that could really be a back and forth, but week 13 at Cincinnati Bengals, I have that as a win as well. Obviously, the other Super Bowl roster, slightly weaker, uh, but they did get better this offseason, so We'll have to see there. Week 14 at the Denver Broncos. Sorry, guys. Of course, I'm going to give it to the Broncos. I do think that, uh, you know, the easy choice would be to say the Chiefs are going to sweep until we see otherwise because that's what's happened for the last, what, 13, 14 matchups between the Broncos and the Chiefs. Um, But just on paper, if I'm going to predict it and try to be as neutral as possible, I think the Broncos have a strong roster, and they finally got that quarterback. They finally have a better head coach. It's going to be later in the season, week 14, uh, kind of get our feet under us, uh, let those new pieces kind of fall into place and um, you know, start to feel normal uh, in their new threads there over in Denver. And um, I think that it's very possible that the Broncos can steal their uh, home game against the Chiefs this year. Then week 15, you are at the Houston Texans. I do have that as a win. And then week 16 versus the Seattle Seahawks, another win. Week 17 versus the Denver Broncos at home. I'll be uh, nice enough and not biased enough to let the Chiefs have this one, though uh, I hope it's a Broncos sweep, (laughs) but but we'll see. And then week 18 at the Las Vegas Raiders, and I have that as a loss, Um, though I do kind of crap on the Raiders. for uh, I do think that they have the worst on-paper roster uh, in this division here. I do think they're still good enough that they can, at the very least, defend home uh, against the Chiefs there. So that brings us out to a 2022 record prediction of 11 and six, which is just one game less than they got last year, 12 and five. And honestly, I do think that that's pretty reasonable for the amount of uh, change and shifting that's happened with this roster. Uh, you talk about all those wide receivers. Talk about a lot of players leaving in the offseason including your quarterback, that defense in Teron Matthew, who I don't think that his impact is necessarily uh, super easy to, you know, quantify on paper. Uh, He's more than just the player, Teron Matthew. He does a lot for that defense, and uh, I'll be interested to see, you know, how well they uh, play coming out in the beginning of the season here without his presence. But with that, we can get into our schedule storylines. We got three of them here for you guys. Number one, absolutely brutal seven-game stretch to start the season against mostly contenders. You're talking about Arizona Cardinals, Los Angeles Chargers, Indianapolis Colts, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Las Vegas Raiders, 
Buffalo Bills and San Francisco 49ers. Oof. That is tough. That is really tough. And then their second one, great bye week play, uh, placement at week eight at least. So you do come off of that brutal seven game stretch and at least get a week to breathe there. And then four division games in your last 10, but some easier games through that second half stretch as well. Um, so, I mean, you talk about, I don't want to say Tennessee as an easier team, uh, but when you're talking about the true contenders with that true franchise quarterback, um, I do think that the Tennessee Titans are a beatable team for the Chiefs there. Jacksonville Jaguars, an easier one. Uh, you know, you talk about Houston Texans, Seattle Seahawks. So some easier, again, I don't want to say breaks, um, because there's still some decent players on those teams, and they're going to give you a fight, um, especially you talk about Tennessee, and I think Jacksonville is going to be better than uh, people give them credit for, as even Houston, honestly. Um, but I do think the Chiefs are better than all those teams, and those should be expected wins. So that is going to do it for the Chiefs. And then with that, we'll just jump right into the Raiders, their GM, Dave Ziegler, and their head coach, Josh McDaniels. You know, obviously, as a Broncos fan, uh, I have a specific perspective on Josh McDaniels as a head coach. Uh, We all know what his uh, tenure here was uh, like, but at the same time, you do have to give him credit for being one of the premier offensive minds in the NFL. And I think that uh, it's pretty clear that he's grown quite a bit as a person since his tenure with the Broncos. And unfortunately, I'm a little scared that uh, this is going to be the one for him, the head coaching gig that uh, he gets it right. And um, he's already so far been a lot better at uh, just, you know, being a, a good person as a head coach. When he was here with the Denver Broncos, that's really what he struggled with. He had the football part, but he didn't get along with his players. He didn't get along with his coaches. Uh, you know, a lot of issues during his tenure there. And a lot of that so far, uh, he at least seems to acknowledge and uh, hopefully for his sake has been uh, resolved in his second tenure with the Raiders. As a Broncos fan, uh, hopefully not. <laughs> but with that, we can go ahead and get right into the Raiders draft class here. Their very first pick uh, was in the third round, number 90 overall. Dylan Parham, offensive lineman out of Memphis, uh, could be a center for them. And uh, then their second pick, round four, number 122 overall, Zamir White, running back out of Georgia. Solid piece for them that could uh, potentially replace Josh Jacobs if they do end up letting him go. And then, round four, number 126 overall, Neil Farrell Jr., a defensive tackle out of LSU. And round five, 175 overall, Matthew Butler, another defensive tackle out of Tennessee. And then round seven, 238 overall, Thayer Munford, an offensive lineman out of Ohio State, somebody who can uh, sit there and develop for these guys, but uh, will be pushed to play pretty well, or pretty quickly if he... Uh, you know, has it. And then round seven, number 250 overall, Britton Brown running back out of UCLA. And with that, we can jump right into their key departures here. So Yannick Ngakwe, an edge, 72% was included in the trade for cornerback Rocky Sin. Corey Littleton, an inside linebacker, 57% of the snaps. Carl Nassib, 21% of the snaps. Alex Leatherwood, an offensive lineman, 96% of the snaps that uh, just got released, actually, as of the most recent cuts, and went over to the Chicago Bears there, and a first-round pick that just did not work out for the uh, Raiders. 
Quinton Jefferson, an inside defensive lineman, 59%. Solomon Thomas, inside defensive lineman, 47%, went over to Enrique's Jets. Casey Hayward, cornerback, 94%. Zay Jones, wide receiver, 56%, uh, which I think is an underrated uh, player that left uh, the Raiders this offseason and uh, will do pretty well with the Jaguars, I'm, I'm hoping for him. Uh, you know, Derek Carr, or Carr always talked about his work ethic, uh, kind of one of those first in, last out type of guys, and showed up when the lights were bright and developed a chemistry with Derek Carr as a passer and uh, looked really good at times for the Raiders. And hopefully, he can become a, a nice weapon there for uh, uh, Lawrence in uh, Jacksonville. And then another wide receiver as well, Brian Edwards, 71%, went over to Atlanta. Again, another kind of underrated uh, wide receiver that left this roster. And they still have plenty of weapons, but those are two solid pieces that they lost. So let's go right over their roster here, starting with the quarterback, obviously Derek Carr. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of of talk about Derek Carr. A lot of people shit on him. A lot of people say he's way better than he gets credit for. I'm somewhere in the middle. Um, I don't really view him as one of the like top 10, top 12 quarterbacks in the league, but I do think he's a smart quarterback. Uh, he has more of an arm than people give him credit for, and he's done a lot more uh, than he should have with what he's had, especially in terms of the offensive line as they really just not have uh, or have not built around him the way that they should. And on top of that, he's a great dude. You talk about last year, uh, you know, all the adversity that this Raiders team faced, uh, just a million different things coming in from a million different directions. It would have been very, very easy for this team to give up um, and just, you know, lay down, wait till next year, get a new head coach, do all that. Um, but credit to Rich Passaccia, obviously, and then also Derek Carr as the quarterback, the offensive leader of this team, uh, was a very important presence. Uh, you saw that in a lot of his press conferences, talking about the situations, and um, just has a, a positive mindset, is a wise person. I have a lot of respect for Derek Carr. So uh, behind him, Jarrett Stidham. At running back, Josh Jacobs, who uh, they did pass on the fifth-year option there, so we'll have to see what happens with him, especially with the rookies, Amir White, sitting right behind him. Brandon Bolden as well. Amir Abdullah, and then Britton Brown as well, another uh, uh, draft pick. Your fullback is Jacob Johnson. At tight end, obviously Darren Waller, another one of the premier tight ends, a former Raven. And then Foster Moreau behind him, another solid option, two great tight ends right there. And Jesper Horstead. And then your uh, wide receivers, Devontae Adams coming over from Green Bay arguably, uh, and has been the best wide receiver in the league. Then uh, Hunter Renfro, Renfro, your slot, or as they call him, the slot machine in Las Vegas over there. Uh, Mac Hollins, Tyron Johnson, and DJ Turner. And this room's pretty dang light after losing some of those guys we talked about, Brian Edwards, Zay Jones. Uh, Mac Hollins as your opposite wide receiver to Devontae Adams? Yeesh, dude. That's... I don't want to say rough, because you still have Devontae Adams, Hunter Renfro, and Darren Waller, but and Foster Moreau, but like, geez, <laughs> probably could have afforded to keep around at least his eight Jones. Um, I do think that's a little bit curious, especially with Brian Edwards, that trade uh, coming later in the offseason as well, but 
Moving on to that offensive line, at left tackle, Colton Miller, uh, you know, was at first kind of, I don't want to say a bust, but just not as great as they had hoped. But this last year, he really came on, uh, played pretty well for them, and uh, looks like a solid presence at left tackle there. And then Jackson Barton behind him. At left guard, you have John Simpson, and they drafted Dylan Parham, the potential guard slash center. At your starting center spot, you have Andre James. At right guard, Lester Cotton Sr. And then at right tackle, Jermaine Illuminor and Thayer Munford Jr. is another draft pick. And yeah, I mean, looking at that offense just as a whole, I think obviously you have some decent running backs in there with Josh Jacobs and then Zamir White if he can come on quick. Uh, You know, a solid, solid quarterback, if not one of the better ones in the league. Two great tight ends that are going to help you out right there. Uh, You know, the best wide receiver in the league and then a very smart, uh, crafty player in Hunter Renfro. And uh, like we talked about, not a whole lot behind them in that wide receiver room. And then the offensive line, man, I mean, you have Colton Miller, but other than that, I, I like what Dylan Parham like presents. I don't know how quickly he's going to be ready. Um, you know, the rest of this offensive line was uh, not good last year, and they really didn't do a whole lot to change it. And um, to be honest with you, they have almost no depth either. Like you literally have behind your starting five, you have three players total and two of them are rookies so that offensive line is uh, a concern to say the least and then defensively starting from the safeties and moving down Jonathan Abram and Trayvon Morig um, solid enough Jonathan Abram has not shown what you have wanted him to as a first round pick um, but he hasn't been I would say a bust either and Trayvon Morig playing pretty well so far behind them Roderick Teamer and Deron Harmon and then Isaiah Mpolamau, uh, a uh, undrafted free agent this year. And then at cornerback spots, your starter, Nate Hobbs. Opposite of him, Rocky Sin, uh, who you traded for uh, with Yannick Ngakwe earlier in the offseason there. And then behind them, Amik Robertson, Sam Webb, and Darian Butler. Or I'm sorry, Anthony Avery, who came over from uh, Baltimore and is pretty okay as well. And then moving on to their middle linebackers there, your starter, Denzel Perriman, and behind him, Darian Butler. And at your uh, weak side linebacker, Divine Diablo, who came on last year and looked pretty well, Jayon Brown, and then Luke Masterson. At your defensive end spots, your two starters, Chandler Jones and Max Crosby, uh, one of the nastier edge duos in the entire league. Uh, That's going to be a scary one for uh, quarterbacks to face for sure. And then behind them, Cleveland Farrell, and to Sean Bauer and Malcolm Kuntz. And then at your nose tackle spot, Jonathan Hankins comes back as your starter, Andrew Billings, and then Neil Farrell Jr., who they drafted in the fourth round. Defensive tackle, your starters Bilal Nichols, and then Kendall Vickers, and another draft pick in Matthew Butler. And as we move on to our special teams here, your punter is A.J. Cole. And your kicker is Daniel Carson. Carlson, shout out Auburn, and one of the better kickers in the entire league right now. And yeah, that does it for their roster, so we can jump right into the team storylines. Their first one, that offensive line was bad last year and got even worse this year outside of some rookie additions. So, I mean, we talked about that. 
Dylan Parham, and then Thire Moonford Jr. Those are your two additions, right? That's it. You're still starting John Simpson, you're still starting Andre James, and you're still starting Lester Cotton. You got rid of Alex Leatherwood, which, to be honest with you, like, it, it makes you wonder exactly how bad the relationship was um, between this new coaching staff and Alex Leatherwood that they would let him go instead of at least keeping him for depth. Even though he's not a scheme fit, I understand that. I understand that he played better at guard last year and he uh, apparently really wanted to play tackle. But again, you have three players behind your starting five right now. like, And your starting five outside of Colton Miller is not good. So it just seems like a head scratcher to me. Um, but again, it makes you wonder what the relationship was like that they felt that they couldn't sal- salvage that and uh, had to let him go. So, But uh, with that said, the second storyline, cornerback room looks extremely questionable after Nate Hobbs. Rocky Sin could be a solid starter if he continues to improve, yet to be seen whether he was worth it to ship off Yannick Ngakwe. And, you know, to be fair to him, I actually would say he's a solid starter right now, but I don't think that on paper trading him for Yannick Ngakwe was an even trade. It just was not. Um, so he can develop into that. Rocky Sin is still young. Um, I'm really interested to see what he can do there. He definitely has an opportunity. Um, but Nate Hobbs is the only, in my opinion, proven corner on this uh, roster. And then depth-wise, uh, Anthony Averett is going to be solid for you. Um, but not fantastic, and you have four corners total, or no, I'm sorry, five, with Amik Robinson. Five corners total in a league that is playing more nickel and dime packages uh, and more offensively, more, you know, three and four wide receiver sets than almost ever before. So, again, just kind of odd roster construction. Um, But with that said, our third storyline Fine enough safety starters in Jonathan Abram and Trevon Morig, but depth behind them does not look good. Um, And yeah, I mean, behind them, you're looking at Roderick Teamer and Deron Harmon, and then your your, uh, undrafted free agent, Isaiah Polamau, and um, not great, especially when you talk about Jonathan Abram, who has suffered injuries and uh, missed a lot of games in his short time in the league. Not fantastic. Uh, brings me a lot of questions, and especially for a, a Raiders roster that you look at a lot of the media are presenting them as on equal footing with the Chargers, the Chiefs, and the Broncos. And as we've gone through their rosters, you know, I would love to hear uh, what other people think, but I don't view this this uh, and not to say I don't view the Raiders roster as a good roster because it's still one of the better rosters in the league, especially when you look at the starters. But this is not as good of a roster as any of the other three teams in the division. It, like, it's just not. So, and again, you have that brand new off, uh, uh, head coach as well, brand new GM, a lot of change going on. We'll just have to see what happens there. But um, at the same time, they still have an established quarterback in Derek Carr, uh, who has built-in chemistry with Devonta Adams, your premier free agent who you just brought in. You still have plenty of weapons in Darren Waller, uh, Hunter Renfro, Josh Jacobs, Amir White, all those guys. You still have some solid defensive players in Nate Hobbs, uh, Jonathan Abram even, Trevon Morig, Rocky Sin can be good, and you have one of the better edge duos in Max Crosby and uh, Chandler Jones there. Jonathan Hankins, respectable at nose tackle. Like 
So again, it's not that this Raiders roster isn't good, because it is. It's a good roster, but it's not on the same level as the other three, at least on paper, in my opinion. So with that, we can head through their schedule here. Their 2021 record was 10-7, and and then jumping right into it, week one, you are at the Los Angeles Chargers. Uh, I talked about the Chargers earlier, Enrique broke them down. I think they're going to be one of the better teams in the league, and potentially, uh, if it's not the Broncos, uh, the <laughs> number one team in the AFC West here. Um, so with that, I uh, have this as a loss for the Raiders to open it up. Then week two versus the Arizona Cardinals. I think that the Raiders can probably take care of that, uh, especially if they do drop that week one game. They're really going to be looking to bounce back. And then week three, you're at Tennessee. If they don't take it against Arizona, uh, they're definitely going to take it here, but I think that they take this as a win either way. Week four, you are versus the Denver Broncos. And um, surprise, surprise, I do have this as a loss. I do think that the Broncos, as we just talked about, I think they have a better roster. Just straight up. And if, uh, you know, again, we have a lot of change going on too over in Denver. Brand new head coach, brand new quarterback, um, all of that stuff. So there is a potential that early on in the season, we just don't have our shit together yet. Um, and I, I could see that as the uh, situation in which the Raiders take this game. And it probably will be a close one either way. Um, but I still am going to take the Denver Broncos. Week five, you are at Kansas City. I have that as a loss. Week six is your bye. Week seven, your versus the Houston Texans. I have that as a win. Week eight, at New Orleans Saints. I have this as a loss. And I think this, again, could go either way because I think obviously you have a better uh, and more established quarterback talent in Derek Carr uh, with the Raiders there than you do with uh, Jabu in the, the New Orleans Saints. But the New Orleans Saints have a heck of a roster. They have had a heck of a roster. Uh, granted, new head coach as well. But uh, I I just see them as being in this game. And I see this as potentially being a, a, almost a trap game, in a sense, for the uh, the Raiders, where you're coming off a bye week, and then you hit an easy game against the Houston Texans, uh, and then you potentially get punched in the mouth against a New Orleans team that uh, I think some people are maybe underrating because of the lack of Drew Brees and uh, new head coach there. Week 9 at Jacksonville Jaguars. I do have that as a win. Week 10, you're versus the Indianapolis Colts at home. I have that as a win as well. And then week 10, or I'm sorry, oh, I'm sorry, week 10 versus the Indianapolis Colts. I do have this actually as a big game, but I have it as a loss, not a win, uh, because as we talked about, very strong roster with the Indianapolis Colts with Matt Ryan there. Um, and another one of those ones that I do think can go either way, just depending on how it falls. You are at home at Las Vegas uh, for the Raiders there. But the Colts, I mean, since 2019, just looking for that quarterback, they have had, they've had a solid roster. They've continued to add to it. Um, they look really good. And now they finally have that quarterback who potentially can take them there. Um, so I think that's going to be a tough game for the Raiders. Week 11, you are at Denver uh, versus the Broncos once again, and I do have this as a loss, and I think the Denver Broncos are going to sweep against the Raiders. Week 12, at Seattle Seahawks, I have that as a win, obviously. Week 13 versus the Los Angeles Chargers, uh, I do have that as a loss, and um, 
Yeah, same thing with the Broncos. I just I view this roster as better. I think Justin Herbert's going to have a coming out party, a potential MVP season even. Um, and you're getting right into the swing of the end of the season there, ramping up into playoffs. I, I just think it's going to happen. Week 14, you are at the Los Angeles Rams, uh, you know, in their home stadium, defending Super Bowl champions, Matthew Stafford with that solid roster uh, that really didn't lose a lot of pieces after the Super Bowl either. That's a loss. Week 15 versus the New England Patriots. That's a win. Week 16 at Pittsburgh Steelers. I do have that as a win. Week 17, you're versus the San Francisco 49ers. And I have the Raiders pulling this one out. I think if Trey Lance is playing well enough, you know, you've given him at this point 17 games in theory uh, to uh, get his feet under him, become the starter of the 49ers. And we'll see where he's at at that point. Um, But on paper right now, I think that the Raiders can take that game. And then you finish off the season, week 18, versus the Kansas City Chiefs at home. And as we talked about with the Chiefs, I'm going to give this one to the Raiders. I think that they can finish out strong. Um, and, you know, I have them finishing with a four-win streak, which they actually did last year as well. Um, I don't know if that's going to be good enough for them to get into the playoffs this year. But or, uh, like the uh, record-wise, that is going to result in 9-8, and eight, which is one game less than last year, once again. And, uh, you know, I mean, for both the Chiefs and the Raiders, I think you can look at my uh, schedule predictions and say, like, both of these teams technically got better. How are you going to say that they lost a game? But it's worth noting that the Raiders have a tougher schedule this year uh, because they placed higher in the division than they did the previous year. So they're facing the uh, teams that placed second in their division last year, right? And then on top of that, you also just have a tougher division. All of the teams in this division have gotten better, and it's just going to be even more competitive. Um, And like I said with the Raiders, in a lot of the divisions in this league, the Raiders would be the best team in the division. In the AFC West, they very well may be the fourth best team. And that's, again, not to say that they're bad, it's just that all the other teams have a ridiculous amount of talent on paper. Um, and again, we'll just have to see how it all plays out when the season starts. But uh, that's that's where I have them heading right now. So my schedule thoughts. They do have an early bye week in week six, uh, which is going to make it harder for them heading into the playoffs if they can uh, get there. You obviously would hope that that bye week would be a little bit later. And then number two, tough early stretch and slightly easier ending stretch but you finish against the Chiefs at home. So, I mean, that first stretch, you're talking about the Chargers, talking about the Cardinals, the Titans, the Broncos, and the Chiefs, and then you get your bye week in week six. So pretty tough to start it out there. Um, And then that last stretch, you know, after you face the uh, both of the Los Angeles teams in weeks 13 and 14, you get the Patriots, the Steelers, the 49ers, and then you close out with the Chiefs. And not even to say that the 49ers are an easier game, but they're just one of those teams that doesn't have the franchise quarterback in place um, that it's established, at least at this point. And so I think that you can steal those games. um, But obviously, Kansas City is always going to be a tough game to close out the uh, season, especially depending on how that playoff race is going. Um, You know, if it's how I predict it, I think that the Broncos and the Chiefs are, I'm sorry, the uh, Chargers at the top. The Broncos most likely second, 
and then the Chiefs would be searching for a playoff spot most likely. And so that uh, game may have some uh, implications, and that's never going to be an easy game against the Chiefs, but I do have them at least taking it. So that is going to do it for our breakdowns today. Thank you guys so much for listening.